Hello, and welcome to another episode of 52 and 52. I'm Anthony. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Midnight Special, a new movie that just came out. Do you want to give us a plot synopsis on that, Josh? Pretty simple movie, I guess. Yeah, Midnight Special, it's the latest film by Jeff Nichols, who's been a very critically acclaimed director, but this is the movie of the biggest scope he's done. His first uh, studio movie he did with Warner Brothers. All of his others were Independence. The one that most people would know would be Mud, which happened in the middle of the McConaissance a few years ago with Matthew McConaughey. And um, this one has his muse, Michael Shannon, kind of in more of a lead role, who's been in each of his first three movies and plays the father of a young boy who... Um, he's, and he's on the run at the beginning of the movie with Joel Edgerton, who we just know is kind of a accomplice of his, and they are running from a lot of people that are after a boy named Alton Meyer, and we kind of follow them as they're driving around, running from a bunch of different people, and um, eventually, early on, the movie hints that the boy might have some different kind of superpowers of some sorts, but you don't really get everything about that from the get-go. And I think we'll do a spoiler section for this one because I think there is a lot of a very clear delineation from when stuff goes to like another level at the end of the movie. Um, but basically, they're trying to protect him and get him to a certain undisclosed place. And that's about all we know. The movie is very, very deliberate about how it kind of reveals certain information and maybe too deliberate and a little too... Um, holding things too close to the vest maybe for a little bit too much of it. I, I really enjoyed this movie, but um, I think the... We're, we're, I'm kind of saying how they're parsing out information throughout this movie about what exactly his powers are, what people want with him, what they all think of him. And that's it's a good hour and a half of what I guess is maybe about a two-hour movie is them really just trying to protect this kid, and you don't know a whole lot beyond that. I don't think it matters to a certain extent because I think it's done in a very suspenseful way. But I'd say this movie also does kind of have issues at the end because it asks a lot of questions and maybe doesn't fully answer as many of them as it should. Not that a movie has to literally close every single loophole. Sure. I think the movie, I, I, I agree with you for the most part. I think the movie's pretty suspenseful and they do kind of keep you in the dark for the most part. I think that they actually do answer pretty much all the questions that they propose. I just don't think that they really explore him at all. That's fair. And I just... I, the movie, I feel like the movie has all the parts of a good movie except the ending. Uh, and we'll talk about that later, but I really, the ending just falls flat for me. And But otherwise, I liked the movie. There just wasn't enough emotion at the end, I guess, and, and a good climax that really pulled us, pulled us through to the end. Yeah, so to, 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 set, to set it up a little more, because it's not really a spoiler to say, I, I was just trying not to journal on before I, Anthony had another chance to speak and get his thoughts to my, my initial reaction there. But... Uh, essentially, we don't really figure out why, but we know that Alton has been hanging out with a cult for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and it's not ever fully explained how he ends up there in the first place, but we know that they kind of see him as someone that's very valuable to whatever mysterious cause that they have, and then we know the leader sends a couple guys to go after and find him, and Michael Shannon, who plays his dad, was there with him for a couple of years while he was there, whereas Kirsten Dunst, his mom, was not, and we, we meet her a little later on. And we don't fully know exactly why she wasn't able to go live in the cult with them or even what made it so he had to go to the cult. But we know that he's taken him away from the cult and he's on the run and the cult has sent people after him. And the government has kind of found out that his some of his senses and his ability to kind of interact with stuff going on in space has kind of interfered with some of their satellites. So now he's on their radar as well. So they're having to kind of run from a couple different parties. And 
I kind of read some reviews that described him as maybe the villain, and I'd never quite thought that, but Adam Driver kind of plays the main speaking role out of all the people from the government that come after him, and he's more just there as a very curious figure to kind of maybe ask some of the questions that the audience is asking, and um, he's always a very welcome presence, and a, we're a big oh, fan yeah. of him. We're a big fan of him at fifty two and fifty two. So I mean, what what do you think when you saw him show up? Uh, I think Driver and the kid were the best two people in the movie for me. Everyone else was kind of just there. Uh, I'm not really sure that there was a lot of acting, honestly, to be done in this movie besides from the kid and a little bit from Driver. I know Michael Shannon had kind of like an important role, but. He was his concerned dad. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a, really, he's a really good and actor. But concerned I mean, wife and mom was Kirsten Dunst. I, I, I enjoyed Joe Edgerton. Uh, yeah, he was it, solid. I, it's but just again, weird because there I, was. I mean, like, I get, I get that, like, he didn't have to say a lot of stuff. Yeah. But like, it's really cool to see how much that guy can do. For sure. I think. I mean, I don't know if I would think it was kind of goofy if I if I if I'd ever actually watched an interview with him. I watch a lot of interviews and listen to a lot of interviews on podcasts with mm-hmm. celebrities and stuff. I don't think I've ever seen him interviewed. I know he's from. Australia, I think. Something, so yeah, if I sure. like knew his regular accent, I might think like, "Well, this guy is weird. He's just doing some weird Southern accent." But I've seen him in the last year. I've seen him in Black Mass, The Gift, and now this. And it's <laughs> the like gift. Oh, a to- yeah. like a totally different kind of role in each of them. And it's yeah. weird seeing like him so convincingly become. And I shouldn't I shouldn't say that it's that weird and surprising because I guess he was part of the team in Zero Dark Thirty. It's just those guys all kind of blended in for me now. In retrospect, yeah. besides Chris Pratt, um, he was really good in Warrior. Uh, oh yeah, I, I never saw that. That's really good. Okay. Him and Tom Hardy are both really good. So I enjoyed seeing him just kind of like go all out as like this macho kind of dude, whereas like he's so weird in the gift, and he's just like some hamming it up with a Boston accent, convincingly so, more so than almost anyone else in that movie in Black Mass. So I enjoyed him, but um, th- just as far as like the presence, like because the guys that are after Alton from the cult are like they're not like they, they no. don't. The movie doesn't go back to them as consistently as it goes no. back to Driver. And, and I'm fine with that because I didn't really think they set that up well enough in the beginning for me to want to really spend that much more time with them. But it was I, I enjoyed seeing like Adam Driver's character just kind of be curious and kind of play the different kind of emotions he has to throughout because, I mean, he, like just by nature of looking like Adam Driver and knowing everything else we know about him, like you, almost, you show up and you just kind of laugh a little bit. But then like you kind of get used to him and get used to his character, but then he goes back to being comic relief for a point or two here and there, and it's actually pretty fun. But then he shifts back into serious mode really easily too. Yeah, it's it's interesting seeing him going from super aggressive Adam and girls and then villainous emo person in Star Wars and now this just kind of very reserved and... I think he plays it really very subtly, this role, and he plays like a nerd NSA guy, I guess. And I, I, I enjoyed his performance, and like you said, he's kind of a vehicle for the audience to, for him to literally ask questions that the it's audience ha- wants to know, which is a little which heavy-handed. Would, and it's but, a little what Joel Edgerton is at some point, because sure. he clearly knows less about the kid than his parents, eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like we, we ran through it on the Star Wars podcast, all the different dudes we can play, and you just listed some of them, but there's also like... The, he, he's kind of like the the player and this is where I leave you mm-hmm. and um uh Francis Ooh. Ha and Francis Ha and yeah and he can just be really really inside weird like he's an inside Lewin Davis so yeah he's great and it was pretty cool that like he fit something like this in between Star Wars movies because he had to film a season of Girls yep he had uh I think he's I mean he might and, he, and then he did the Martin Scorsese movie Silence that's going to be out at the end of the year with uh Liam Neeson and Andrew Garfield so I like that he 
somehow is finding time to like keep yeah. doing cool shit where he he'd be totally within his right to just be like, yo, I'm gonna chill out between these Star Wars movies because they're probably like really tough shoots. We actually yeah. saw him in that other movie with Ben Stiller too this summer. Or last summer, while we're young, yeah, because he, he's yeah. he's tight with Noah Baumbach, so yeah. good on him for like just like making friends with because he starts out liking girls, yeah, which is a good not a bad place to break in with, sure. but he somehow manages to like get in Far with Marty Scorsese, the Star roles, Wars yeah. people, Jeff Nichols, Noah Baumbach, like he's already like he's like thirty two years old and he's already worked with like a ton of cool people. Yeah, so. no, good on him, good for him, and um, but yeah, so I didn't mean for this to turn into an Adam Driver love fest. Not that there's a problem with that. Absolutely not. I mean, I, I think I'm stalling a little bit because i feel like a lot of this i'm we're gonna dive into a lot more of the spoiler section is maybe but just before we actually get into that i mean um and you, like you said you said they might have answered the stuff better answered a lot of the questions they raised better maybe not explored them but um were you if let's say the ending of this movie you do like it more what what was it that you really liked about the first hour and a half of it and how they unfold like were you cool with the way they kind of par- gave us information little by little because um, sometimes it can be frustrating if they're just like, it seems like the a film is withholding way too much stuff from you. But I, I, I was, I was pretty into it and I could kind of see the areas where we were going to learn more stuff throughout. And yeah. I was just kind of anxious to get there. And I didn't, it wasn't like, I wasn't like not understanding anything. I don't think they quite spent enough time with the cult for us to totally get what their motivations were. But in the grand scheme of things, it didn't bother me that much. I was just, I was in, enjoying being along for the ride and it was pretty suspenseful all the way through just because you don't know what's going to happen because they don't tell you the full extent pretty much throughout of what the kid can do so it just it creates a level of suspense throughout yeah i i think it's interesting because there really would be no place otherwise for the characters to just like tell you what's going on because we're sort of like two years three years past when he meets the cult and like this whole trill this whole triangle of it would have government turned into cult. a ton of exposition. Yeah, and we just don't need that and it wouldn't make sense for Michael Shannon to just spit out things that other characters already know to their face just so the audience learns right. them. Right. So I think they did a good job with that and sort of intertwining it with the actual story and, and, and just telling us. I just think I, I don't necessarily agree with the cult. I think that it, they make it pretty clear that with um just like the stuff that Alton is doing that they that force them to believe or whatever word you want to use and that's sort of how the cult spawned and my interpretation was that Michael Shannon was probably in lived at, on the ranch for a while mm-hmm. and um, that's sort of how they became connected with the cult and then separated from the cult later on so i think that it was it was good in that regard i think i i mean I understand we could have used a little more. I think it would have been interesting to sort of get more with the cult leader guy, whoever, I don't remember who played that role, but he was pretty good and pretty interesting. And they have that interview scene where he's sort of like, well, you guys really just don't know what's going on when he's talking to the government. Was Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. And I don't know. I, I think it was all just very, for the most part, it was very subtle and, and good pacing. They just, it was a lot of storytelling, but in an interesting way. And then they just didn't really know what to do, I think, at the end. If you're listening to this just for the non-spoiler section, I'd say it's still worth seeing. And it's, I think it's important to support movies like these because um, a lot of big studios are just going towards only doing superhero movies and franchise films and, and um, trilogies and stuff like that that 
um, which we, we enjoy a lot of, and we, we go to see most of those because we go to see everything, but we talk about them on this podcast. But um, for like an original movie like this with a filmmaker that has original ideas to g- even get enough fun- like $20 million of funding from a studio, I think is an important thing if they have a story to tell that has the potential that this one did. And I think it's, I think the movie, like all the way up and through the end, and there's, I, I even think, like, I, I, I agree with you, and that I find some of the end problematic, but I do think there's some cool stuff in there at the same time. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's like such a thrilling ride. Um, Midnight Special was through like the first hour and a half, and I was like, I was like totally into it, and just to kind of see the kind of story that they're trying to let develop, even if I don't love every single way they did it, I still think it's definitely worth a trip to the theater. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's. It's a well enough made movie, and I think at this point, I, I read a review that sort of summed it up perfectly, where they basically said like, someone like Jeff Nichols and other people like, they have sort of earned the right to take risks with movies like these and trying things, and as he did with this whole storyline and like you said, original movie and and the ending, uh, I think it only made one million at the box office this past weekend, which considering it was opening weekend is really not great. I don't know what the budget was, but at the same time. It's really not that good, but I also didn't. I think they did a bad job with marketing because I hadn't even really heard of this movie till about a week ago when you mentioned it, and I hadn't even seen a trailer. And with all the movies that we see, I was surprised that I hadn't even seen a trailer for it. Yeah, we're we're new to this whole thing, and I don't totally understand all the all the planning that goes into marketing a movie and why you would put something in limited release for like a month and then not ramp up marketing more than they did because. The, the official release date was like March 18th or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, they did the New York and L.A. thing, but it's like if your goal is to have a slower rollout, I mean, I think you should be putting more promotional materials out there. But l- let me ask you, like, what's the main way you find out about movies? Uh, you. Okay. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I do pay – I maybe pay well, a little more attention to, like, stuff that's coming out, and I have my whole list of 2016 sure. stuff to see. But if you don't hear it from me, like – because last, last year, like, I didn't know what 99 Homes was, speaking sure. of another Michael sure, Shannon sure. movie. That was, like, we, we put together a little list of our things you want to see the rest of the year, and that was on your list, and I had no idea what it was. So, yeah. Like, is it just, like, kind of just random? Like, is it a marketing effort that sometimes catches your eyes? Is it on Twitter? Yeah, I, I think Twitter I, – I think I go on Rotten Tomatoes and the Flickster app of my phone. Okay. And I go to the What's coming, up, coming soon, soon, and I yeah. sort of go through each movie and see if there's anyone in the cast that I know, and see if the plot is interesting. It's just certainly a cast that would have caught your eye if they exactly, like, actually exactly, brought because, it up a little. I higher. mean, Adam Driver. I think at this point is, I mean, I guess he's not becoming a household. He's not a he's household there. name, but he's becoming he, a household name. I, he's there. He was in. He was like a third lead in Star Wars. Well, yeah. I I hear you, but my friends that I saw Star Wars with before, like I know you. Did you go with it? You didn't. I, I didn't went go the with first you. time. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't know who Adam Driver was. They didn't know who was playing Kylo Ren. Yeah, so, not, I mean, I'm saying now he is. He maybe, wasn't before that. But they also might not have been like, oh, that's Adam Driver. They might yeah, forget like, it. I mean, you would have thought once they would have played that up a little more and just like what, try to just ride the coattails of Star Wars a little bit and just be like, yo, show, show some more spots. Like, I don't know, do anything to like show Adam Driver in our movie online somewhere. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it is on 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 Twitter where I find about stuff, but it's more just me like wasting time on IMDb. Like yeah. I waste time on IMDb. Like not, maybe not as much time as you do like playing video games. But I waste a lot of time on. <laughs> well, there. that's not a waste, and, sir. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what, what, you, you you get what I'm saying, but yeah, I think for a movie like this, like it has trying to make back 18 million dollars. It um, yeah, maybe try and 
it, it might make it, it abroad, but no way domestically. Yeah, so it's so it's I mean it's a Warner Brothers thing. So it's like that's a studio that has the resources to with try a, with a get famous the, director get the word out better or yeah, successful well, he, director, six, critically uh, adored director. Sure. He hasn't. I mean, Mud was had a, sure. his first one with big. Actors. I heard of Mud though more than I heard of this movie. Yeah, and I think this was way more. This a much uh, bigger budget, and yeah. you would think you needed to take, put a little more effort in there to make back your money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, did you like Mud better than this? Yes. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll get to why. Um, I don't know. I got to think about it because I I I know I, I, I made a point to watch all his first two movies too before I saw this. I've been trying to like, kind of put an order in my head, but sure. I don't want to like do a ranking of them right now. And we haven't sure. talked we about can, our, we, can right, that, well. we can do that at the end. All right, let's move into how we compare to other stuff. Then. So we'll, cool? go to, we'll go to spoilers now because there's a lot to talk about with what, how this movie wraps it up. All right, so we'll we'll take a little break here and then we'll do spoilers and we'll be back. Alright guys, welcome back to this week's episode of 52 and 52. Today we're talking about Midnight Special, a new sci-fi movie from Jeff Nichols starring Adam Driver, Michael Shannon, Kirsten Dunst, and some other people. Um, So we're going to do spoilers. I think Josh wants to start. Uh, Let's get into it, man. Yeah, so um, basically as anyone that's listening to this part probably knows, the movie ends and We've figured out that Alton belongs in some other world that's kind of like under our world. It's it's under, right? Above, it kind of comes out I from above. It, oh, it comes up from above. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he said like on least, top of our world. Right, right, right. It looked to me like stuff was like coming out of the ground, but I guess the special effects weren't totally clear on exactly how those, where those things came from. But there's a world above our world. He kind of just is like, "Yo, mom, I'm gonna go go to live in this world." And Kirsten Dunst is watching him, and then he's gone. Um. And I think uh, obviously, like a huge part of this movie is just about like what what parents will do for their kids and the lengths they'll go to protect them and that kind of thing. And it's a, it's a theme that's in a family, just fa- family in general. What you'll do to protect your family is like a theme that runs through um, most of Jeff Nichols' movies. I'd say his first two more so than more so than Mud. That's more of a a little child, a, kind of like a childhood fantasy type movie in a certain way. But uh, his first movie, Shotgun Stories, which I really liked, was just like had no actors I knew of besides Michael Shannon. I watched the other day, kind of about two two sides of a family just like straight up fi- getting really violent with each other in a backwoods Arkansas town. Take Shelter, starring Michael Shannon, about a guy that's like protecting his family from a storm he keeps hallucinating. So it's a lot about what protect, what, what, how to protect your family. And I thought he found a unique way to tell that story here. But my thing was, if you're gonna like have this big dramatic scene at the end where like every you're going, they're running from these people, and you're kind of sending them off into another planet or whatever. Like I would have rather, maybe I don't know, maybe cut down some of the stuff in the earlier part of the movie, which I still enjoyed. But there's easily ways you could have made that stuff um, condensed it a little bit, because so much of it is just feels like it's leading up to whatever this last scene is. Um, you don't need an hour and a half of lead up, which is it was a very thrilling ride, and that's what it felt like. But you get there, and it's like it feels like he feels like it ends like super abruptly for how big of a thing it is. Like they've determined that he's in another world, but like I, I want to know a little more about how the parents actually feel about it. And you were, you, were, you spoke earlier in the first half of the podcast about um, you you could have easily fallen tr- fallen prey to like having too much exposition, tr- trying to hold the audience's hand and inform them of everything, which is a good thing that the movie didn't do. But there was an opportunity to like at least fill you in on some more stuff and have. A couple more scenes with Michael Shannon and Kirsten Dunst, like at least talking about how they felt about this. At one point, like they say to each other, like you know, we're gonna have to think about what's gonna happen if we have to let him what it go. But like that's all. It kind of ends there, and I want to know a little bit more about like 
how they actually feel about that as opposed to just like him looking off into the distance after she says that or is it does he say that to her does she say she it to him? says it to him right 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 so he just kind of stares off in the distance and so you know maybe he's just like working through that on his own but it's like what do you act like how absurd is this like they've known they have a kid that has some weird stuff but like they've really just kind of come to the conclusion there's like another world they might have to send him into i don't think they really contemplated that possibility before the events of this movie so it's like that's like a really big thing to just all of a sudden accept like it seems like they do and i think it just kind of brushes past that a little bit and them just coming to terms with like just straight up giving up their son and i would have liked to have like sat in that a little more and have them talk about it and you could have even like um the adam driver character seems to have some kind of epiphany too at some point which is cool and all the actions that he takes eventually but it's like i we're watching them think which is a cool thing that movies sometimes can take the time to let you do that but i would have liked them to have like fleshed all that out a little more and actually known like all right like how do we feel about just sending our son into another planet and i I think instead they just wanted to have some cool action scenes in that last like 20 minutes and probably should have like discussed the ramifications of all the actions they were taking a little more as opposed to just like having them set up a plan off screen and then us watching them do it. Yeah. I think that they, I think it kind of just goes back to the relationship between father and son, mother and son and family, because I just don't really, it didn't really connect with me, honestly. Like they didn't give bad performances or anything and the dialogue wasn't corny or anything. It just didn't really, it was very like, they, they tried to really be. Yeah, they tried. They tried to be super subtle about it. Yeah, it's like you probably don't like. She, they like. I. I really like Kirsten Dunst, but I don't know if she was given a ton to do. No, and it's like definitely if, if, not. If they had written a little more for her, then you probably get a better sense of what that family is like. Like, I don't need you to explain exactly what their relationships are at this point. It's clear they're not like married, like a regular nuclear family, and I don't need every single reason for that. But if it's like if you can get. Other than we know, like it's unless someone's just a terrible person, we know inherently they're going to want to protect their kid. You don't, we don't need a lot of setup for like why they're doing that much. But like this is such a unique situation. It's like maybe we can get your thoughts a little bit more on how crazy this is. Yeah, and I think even that last scene where she's watching him like call his new world and then he vanishes and stuff. I think it would have been better if that was Michael Shannon instead of her because they. I think they had the stronger relationship. I think Alton and Michael Shannon had the stronger relationship, but at the same time, I still don't think I really would have felt any different yeah, we, if we, it was him. We go on that whole side journey with them towards the end of the movie where they, the two yeah. of them leave. So and, we, like, and we kind of get these throwaway lines from Joel Edgerton about like, look, you guys would be such a nice family if your kid wasn't an alien kind of thing. And it's like, well, I, I don't know. It's just sort of like telling us how we should feel a little bit or like sort of cluing us in like, it's going to be hard for them to not be like a real family kind of thing. But I don't know, maybe we could have used like a flashback to like two and a half years ago to see what was going on with them and like their relationship and having breakfast or, you know, like changing their lifestyle. So they're working yeah. and coming home at night and having breakfast for dinner kind of thing. I don't know. Man. I feel like one thing I've complained about a lot on this podcast at times is over explaining stuff and telling not showing i've complained a lot about voiceovers and sometimes flashbacks kind of serve the same purpose it's just telling us stuff we already know but i feel like here we just didn't know a lot and maybe if we had been informed a little bit more about what those kind of what those relationships were like and just how strong they had been at some point it would have been more emotional when he just kind of goes off and goes away instead it's like why why is how is the mom just totally come to grips with that if i was like 
I mean, even if I did have some superpowers, like, I'm pretty sure my mom would be a wreck if I'm just, like, Deuce's mom. I'm going to live with these kind of imaginary people with eyes that you can see and nothing else. Like, yeah. there are these alien people. Like, I, I guess. I, like, I, th- I think, like, she's a, good, she's a really good actress, and I think she could have really... I probably wouldn't be saying that if this was before Fargo came out. Like, I've enjoyed some of her work before, but I just think she was so good in Fargo that, like, I could... I could I could deal with her having a much bigger role than she did here, and like you said, like you don't want to like sacrifice even more of her because I mean like that's like the one female part in the movie. It's like a good presence to have when you're dealing with this kid, but a lot a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on with Michael Shannon and him and him saying like I don't want you to worry about me, and it's like it's my job to worry about you, and you really those scenes are like probably work way more than anything with her and the kid because it's just her like huddling and holding the kid and being looking concerned and she yeah. she deserves better material than that but if you're not going to give it to her maybe make sure the final scene has a better emotional payoff than it does um spe- speaking of those scenes where um he and the kid go off we didn't really we could have touched on this more in the non-spoiler section but the kid is really good yeah, he's a good actor. Um, like, I think that's a risk in a, any kind of movie like this where you're going to put that much screen time on someone that's, like, that small of a role. Like, you could end up with – you mistakes have been made in, For sure. in, in movies like that before. And uh, the, ki- the kids are not always that good. And, like, I thought he did a really good – there was a lot of one-liners that he had that I think if you had had a lesser actor, they would have just sounded way too corny. And they, mm-hmm. I thought they worked. Um, so like good on, good on Jeff Nichols for like getting that right. Because like, I think it, it's, it becomes like a much harder movie to watch and it's a lot, it could be really eye rolly if you just cast the wrong nine year old. Yeah. Which is sort of what we were saying earlier about the movie. Just, we've seen so many movies that do all these things that we consider bad habits or corny or whatever. And this movie certainly avoids almost 95% of those, which in in itself like just inherently makes it enjoyable or easier to watch but at the same time i mean i, I appreciate that he took a risk with the movie but it dude, just dude, i'm looking at kids imdb analogy he was like one of rachel mcadam's sons in aloha this guy uh, this, guy, this guy's had like a big 10 so, months hold on there was only two kids in aloha right i guess she was one of the, he was one he of was the just kids. a kid because yeah. you remember the girl because riley cooper's creepily watching her do yoga at the end right did you say riley cooper riley cooper <laughs> okay, yeah, riley. yeah yeah Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah I guess that was, that was the daughter. Was, yeah, so I think yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. a kid, yeah, so, a dude, and a chick. Right? Yeah, like, but like, I'm just like good on that kid. Like he's yeah. come, come, come along that here. iconic girl in Aloha into <laughs> yeah, the being, being the well, really good part of this movie. And then I, I guess you did say in the first early in the podcast that you thought the kid and yeah, Driver I said, were the I best said him yeah, and yeah. We just didn't. I, I just didn't. We we talked all about Driver and not the kid. And I just want to make sure like we I elaborate on that a little bit because like he was really good. And I remember thinking that. And a lot of times I just I just end up thinking like wow like child actors suck yeah and, for sure um yeah especially on all these tv shows we watch like homeland and yeah, so, the americans and everything with the one or two of the kids are always just terrible actors yeah we, well so we I mean i think we were kind of in agreement then on just like where the movie could have done a little better at the end there but yeah um, what do you think of just the 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 the, the the story. I mean, like, I thought it was good. I thought the world building even if, was like, really maybe, good. Maybe they didn't. Not. I mean, maybe the story through the end. Like, maybe like they didn't. Maybe they didn't properly set it up, so you didn't feel the same emotions that you wanted to in that moment. But like, did you think that made that was made sense? And how did you think it? Like, just like having that world come up out of nowhere. Like, were you cool with that story yeah. if it, if it's told a little bit differently? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, I think it was. Really what do you cool. think of the visuals? Then? Awesome. Yeah, I thought that was I really like, liked it. Really at the cool. End. I mean, it's an. I just looked it up. Eighteen million dollar budget. So. Yeah. I mean that's a, I mean it's a pretty cool th- thing that they're able to pull off and not have it look totally ridiculous with those 
buildings just in the middle of nowhere and actually like make that work on a small budget yeah no i thought it was good i just wish they would have explored it more or at least have the kid sort of explore more and get his emotions and feelings if not the parents because he he seemed to kind of come to this conclusion but he's obviously really smart just as a kid in general and he's kind of figured this stuff out and he's probably been thinking about it a lot because he's having to been growing up with all these different things so i'm sure it's something that's been on his mind as he's grown up but yeah I mean, seeing, I guess, just having a, a little more talking about it. And like I said, I'm usually not a fan of having to talk out too much stuff or having to tell too much stuff. But I, I, I want to know what these people feel about this stuff more because it's he does a good job of, like you said, you, you use the term world building. And I feel like he, you do, they did a good job of like just set, setting it in this, um, I guess it's in Louisiana or Texas, both. Well, I don't know because right. they're driving through a bunch of places. Right, they're in they're in the deep south, and that's where most of uh, Jeff Nichols' movies take place. I think Take Shelter is actually Ohio, but the other three are in the south. And you do they do a good job of just kind of like building up this deep southern world with these cult people, and then everyone else. Like, sort of reminds me of Orphan Black a little bit, except that just does a better. Uh, and it's in Canada. It, over, yeah, you know I, what I'm I, saying with like the ranch and the cult and the religious figures, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean all of that within like an otherwise regular world. Sure. And I think it's when when you and then when you add all these supernatural elements into it, I'm curious to see what the regular people think about it. Yeah. Or not even just the regular people, just like what everyone thinks. Because it's just, it's a cool combination that you don't see a lot of movies. It's a weird middle ground. You don't see a lot of movies hit these days. It's mm-hmm. more like let's go straight up for the zombie apocalypse or sure. the or the the um, dysto- whole entire dystopian world, and I, I, I think that's kind of why we enjoy the leftovers a lot. Um, yeah. At least that's part of it. It's a, it's cool to see different worlds like that, where it's like things are really normal, but then there's this other weird aspect that simultaneously exists. And I want to. And the leftovers does dive super deep into that. Yep. And that's why it's like one of our favorite shows on television. Whereas sure. um, here, it's like it's it exists and they're reacting to it. But I want to get a little bit more about what they think about it and. Because that's, I feel like that's what we're waiting for. Like for a lot of this movie, is to just see how they're going to react to what ultimately happens to them. But it just like abruptly ends when we see like a police interview. Yeah, and you just want to you want to connect with it. And this movie, unfortunately, I don't think you do at the end for and, and for me. And that's sort of why I was, I, I guess, a little disappointed. But I just wish that he they would have had the risk pay off better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess anything else you want to say about this movie? No, I think I probably enjoyed it slightly more than you, even though like we're in agreement on a lot of this stuff. I think it's just a, it's clear like I mean he, even he, he's he's a, I think Jeff Nichols is just like I I I made I wanted to have because he didn't have that many movies. I wanted to make sure I'd seen all of them before we saw this and. I didn't take shelter as like really good reviews, but it's just, it wasn't my kind of story. I like shotgun stories and mud better. And I feel like shotgun stories, just his first movie, like on the smallest budget with like the most, mostly a no name cast might even be the most complete story out of all of them. Cause I like mud, but I, I think like they te- like in mud, I think they tease out some of that. We spread there's been way too much for probably not enough payoff, even if it's like really well done. And those kids are amazing. Um, speaking of him being able to cast kid actors, um, yeah. like that's the one thing that sticks with me with Mud is like how he found these two kids in the middle of the South and this they 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 can act really well. Um, like I think take like Shotgun Stories might actually be the best the whole way through for me, but like I I just it was really impressive just how into this I was uh, right from the get go, and I just wish it had finished a little stronger. But I'd still recommend seeing it because I want I, I think it's cool when guys like this like have original ideas that they get to make and i hope he keeps getting that chance and it doesn't just like lose 10 million dollars like it looks like it might be on its way to doing yeah all right well i would also recommend seeing it and again thank you for listening make sure to check out on soundcloud or itunes our newest 
part of our network called The Refill, where we do shorter recaps on movies that we don't otherwise have a lot to say about or don't have time to do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at aklambake, A-K-L-A-M-B-A-K-E. And at Josh Jernavoy is where I'm at, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. And our podcast email, any questions, comments, concerns, anything, suggestions, you can find us at 52and52pod at gmail.com, 52in52pod at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.